welcome. Uh, in this session, we'll be discussing some of the common themes around AI uh, and how enterprises are utilizing the technology to maximize efficiency gains in their working practices. Um, we'll help to decipher some of the jargon associated with developing an AI-led business strategy, as well as discussing some of the approaches that we've uncovered whilst implementing AI for our customer base. Uh, my name is Narinda Brahach, and I'm Senior Business Manager at Web Spiders. Um, Web Spiders has been established for 17 years, uh, and we're a leading enterprise software company focused on delivering user engagement using mobility and artificial intelligence-led bots. So with over 250 employees and with offices in Singapore, London, New York, and India, we're uniquely positioned to assist your organization in the field of AI. It's my pleasure to introduce Sid Jindrawala, CEO of Web Spiders Group, who will talk us through some of the frequently asked questions associated with bots. Uh, so welcome, Sid. Hey, hi, Nandar. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, very well. Thank you very much. Um, so, Sid, um, let's start at the beginning. So, what exactly yeah. is a bot or a chatbot? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, so I think this session will be useful in, uh, uh, you know, going through some of the buzzwords, uh, you know, mm -hmm. getting it very clear for the non-techies, uh, you know, for people in marketing, finance, the CXO. Uh, so yeah, starting with bot, I think I think a lot of people talk about what's a bot, but essentially when we when we you know traditionally bots have been referred to as you know small things that sneakily do something in the background, but uh, in the context that it's recognized today, uh, bot essentially refers to a software robot. So we're talking about uh, a piece of software doing something almost as intelligent as a human being that's not expected of a computer uh, traditionally uh, and that's usually expected of a human being and that's where the magic comes in and in fact that sort of uh, is sort of a definition largely of AI as well uh, you know talking about artificial intelligence it's actually been uh, there's a study from 1956 uh, from a, a place called Dartmouth you know from the University of Dartmouth this started the first project back in 1956 so AI has been uh, a matter of research uh, and study from 1956, yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, you mentioned buzzwords and there's a huge appetite with enterprises to, to learn about bots. Um, yeah. How does a bot become uh, intelligent enough to be able to respond in the way that a human would? What enables it to do that? Right. So. So the next, so, so the, the heart of that is of course, uh, what we call NLP, which is mm -hmm. another very popular uh, term being used, which is, uh, you know, the natural language uh, processor or processing. And that essentially is the heart where it understands what, what is being said uh, without, uh, you know, not as a standard phrase, but every time the phrase could be new and it understands what's the intent of that phrase and what are the entities sort of in that phrase? So as an example, if I say, you know, I would like to order a cheese pizza, it understands that you're interested in ordering a pizza and cheese is the topping. So if you said, I would like to order a, a mushroom cheese pizza, it would understand that mushroom is a topping, uh, cheese is something that, that you like and, you know, it would place the order accordingly. So NLP is really the, 
the heart of what we call a chat bot, yeah. Okay, and, and, and how does it go about, about learning? So how does the machine learn um, the appropriate responses uh, and how does it actually ingest the information? Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's, a bit, that's, a good, that's a good segue into, I think, machine learning about, in terms of what, what is machine learning. Because the way, you know, I think, I think why AI is being called today as the fourth industrial revolution is, uh, you know, when the, this entire sort of silicon uh, and PC movement started, we all knew that, you know, at the, at the, at the fundamental layer was zeros and ones, right? And mm -hmm. everything evolved from bits, which could be zero or one, you know, the absence or presence of electricity. But the fact is when you are using Microsoft Word or when you're playing a game or when you're online, very few people rarely think that deep. You know, very few people rarely think it's because it's so low level that it's not, people cannot really understand how zeros and ones could help me listen to music. Uh, mm -hmm. So when you, when you come to the world of AI, uh, you know, coming back to your question, the way it can understand is, is, is actually pretty, non-AI in terms of what we call supervised learning. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about machine learning, essentially it involves feeding it tons of data, you know, feeding it uh, data from the past, but also feeding it data as the machine, as the algorithm is, is in engine production mode. And that sort of leads it to uh, a point where it gets, it, 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 it has enough data to get patterns out of a process. So whether it's images, whether it's music, you know, so take for example, Shazam, when you're talking about, you know, detecting a, a piece of music, or when you talk about, uh, you know, reading NLU, reading, reading text, it's, it's essentially you, you have to pre-train it and tell it that this is, this is what the right thing is. So you would feed in, you know, hundreds, 100,000 and onwards worth of uh, uh, training data, which would have an input and a defined output. So you would label and tell them this is how it looks. And then it assembles uh, a sort of an understanding of what it might be, mm -hmm. and then produces all these magical results. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, so you're yeah. talking about a supervised learning process. So uh, the bot goes through a period of, of training uh, so there's a lot of confusion maybe out there as to exactly where AI is at the moment. Um, so does AI need uh, some heavy involvement from uh, an AI training, specialist AI training team? Yeah, that's, that's another good point, Ender. So, so just to back up a bit, you know, if you, if you take AI as a superset, because, you know, sometimes in my, in my speaking sessions, I, I, I explained them that how 15 years ago, even the spell checker in Word was a form of AI, you know, because mm -hmm. it did something magical. It did something that a human being could do. And then mm -hmm. you have, you having a, 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 a computer doing that. So, you know, the definitions of AI keep evolving, but right now, you know, AI is actually the largest subset, but, but the core implication of AI is really machine learning. So, you know, to the point that, you know, machine learning and AI is almost used interchangeably today. And uh, the fact is that the boring part of machine learning is data. You know, you have to feed in enough data to begin with. And then you have to have a sort of a loop where the same model, the same machine trained process has to be kept feeding data so that it gets smarter and smarter. And often it can be 
an automated form. So as an example, in or in Netflix, for example, the moment you make your selections, it's not it's not just making a selection, but but it's feeding in back to the model that you know you as a user you like this and you like that, and when mm -hmm. when you make a recommendation, and when you select that recommendation, you know it's reinforcing that uh, prediction. So okay. uh, yeah, yeah, and and in fact, you know, one of the reasons why uh, AI has become so so powerful and so you know uh, functional today is because of this you know boom with social media and and the whole explosion of uh, you know mobile phones uh, what's really happened is that data is being auto generated you know in terabytes and that's and that's happening because of the you know the connectivity the the mobility the social social media you know all of these factors but at the same time another Another big revolution that's happened happened is, you know, mass scale computing and the cloud. Uh, mm -hmm. That's so. These two factors, you know, when when you say why is AI so much of a buzzword today? Is it a buzzword? Is it, you know, is it just something uh, a hype? But the fact is, AI has been around, but there was not enough data. Data was always, uh, you know, manual. It was not digital. And then when da data came in and computing resources came in fueled by the cloud, you know, these sort of two uh, phenomenon has really created the ability to crunch massive data at scale. And, and strangely enough, just, just as a uh, segue to the part where we try to explain GPUs, uh, you know, you, you will be amazed that one of the people we have to thank uh, for this AI revolution is actually the gamers. You have to thank your kids who play video games. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'll be and, happy with that. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 the re reason is that you know there is there is a kind of chip, uh, microprocessor known as GPU, uh, mm. which is very common in game cards and graphic cards for gaming, and those are a bit different to the CPUs that we traditionally use in a laptop or servers, etc. One of the one of the core differences is that GPUs, by nature, you know, can ingest different tasks and process it at the same time in parallel. Whereas CPUs, even though they are powerful, have, have are more powerful than C GPUs in terms of, you know, you know, brute force in terms of capacity, but they're sequential. Mm -hmm. So, but when you need to process lots of these data, the data sometimes are very simple. You know, sometimes they're binary data, yes, no or their label information. So GPU, while traditionally not being as fast as CPUs, but they understand parallel processing, which is really the core. And in fact, you know, if, if, you, if you're catching the trend of what NVIDIA, the, the way NVIDIA is growing, if you, if you see the results, you know, they're, they're clocking at nine, $10 billion or so in revenue with 20, 25% margin uh, or roughly so is because they've been able to sell the same GPUs they were selling for graphics and gaming to this AI market. And, um, you know, so that's been a, a big mm -hmm. uh, revolution. Data, compute resources by the cloud, and being able to re, uh, reuse, you know, the GPU infrastructure for bulk uh, machine training or machine learning. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so, where we are with AI uh, as of today, in 2017, um, so we recognize that as artificial intelligence, and in particular bots, as they mature, they become more intelligent through a process of machine learning. How does machine yeah. learning differ from deep learning, or, or is that one and the same? 
yeah. So that's that's that, that's a good question. I think as 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 anybody getting introduced to the science and and phenomenon of AI, I think it's important to understand that sort of machine learning is 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 a lot of ways to do machine learning. You know, it includes all possible ways, and deep learning is just a specific uh, form of uh, machine learning. So deep learning is just one of the algorithms that you okay. use for the task of machine learning. I mean, there are plenty others. So as an example, you could use random forest, you could use decision trees, you could use K nearby neighbor. I mean, there are, uh, anybody involved in data science knows and understands that, you know, there are, there are many, many other ways of doing machine learning. Mm -hmm. Deep learning is a specific form of machine learning. So it's just one kind of machine learning. And the reason it's, it's and the reason it's, uh, you hear a lot about deep learning today is because it sort of mimics the way the human, uh, you know, bio system the, uh, runs. So what it does is that it has, you know, the, the human brain and the human uh, system has, has this uh, massive network of what they call neurons. And these neurons uh, essentially light up when, mm -hmm. when, when they are stimulated and they, they pass an information to the other neuron, which is connected to it. And deep learning essentially involves using this neuron architecture uh, for machine learning. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas, but the reason it's called deep is that you could have many layers of neurons. Uh, so you could have layer one, layer two. Typically, when you have more than two layers, is when you recognize that it's a deep learning network. Uh, you know, of course, we will need to have another session to really explain mm. uh, exactly what deep learning, the way it's structured. But essentially, the reason it's so comp so powerful is today is that you know that's the heart of uh, being able to understand cognitive frameworks. When you talk about voice, when you talk about images you know these these kind of uh, sort of objects uh, which sort of broadly alludes to cognitive computing uh, are generate immense amount of data so what what they call is you know you generate in a immense amount of uh, vectors and that needs deep learning to process and make a, a valid outcome so you know you might if you've been following the you know the silicon valley show you know, they have, they had this big thing about whether an image was a hot dog or not, <laughs> and <laughs> and, they're, and they're able to raise funding because they 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 think that it's it's the Shazam of food, right? So you just mm -hmm. you, you 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 put your camera on any food, but really what that guy does is that he's only done it for hot dogs, so he only trained his model only for hot dogs. <laughs> okay. So okay. so all it does is that tells you whether it's a hot dog or not, but it doesn't tell you it's a pizza or it's a pasta or anything else. Right. And okay. um, so anyway, that, that that was the fun part. But um, yeah, so so deep learning is really the reason it's popular. Is it, it you know with these large uh, data sources like audio and images, it can really do that job very well. Okay. Well, we talk about deep learning, and, and earlier on we discussed uh, natural language processing. Yeah. There are a yeah. number of different NLP engines, uh, and you mentioned yes. a few of them earlier on in the conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. With regards to sort of versatile machine learning frameworks, there are a couple yeah. of major ones at the moment. So, you know, one of those, uh, for example, is MXNet, uh, and yeah. one of them yeah. is TensorFlow. Now, yeah. again, in terms of a, an organisation or an enterprise, what should they look for when selecting a, a deep learning framework? 
yeah that's a, that's the, that's a good point so you know i know this can be little formidable for any uh, line of business manager in marketing or something to select or even for an it guy because most developers do not understand the uh, the concept of machine learning because they mm-hmm. most developers in fact i would say more you know in the late 90 percentage of the developers work on exact science so they work on combinations of if then else go to kind of constructs where things are very definite you know so uh, you you have some data in your database and the exact data comes out uh, in one report or in one form or the other mm-hmm. but machine learning is all about uh, you know uh, and and deep learning is all about making a prediction on the quality of the answers So mm-hmm. it would give you if you it would give you a whole list of answers, but then it would say, well, these are the ten responses, but I am sixty percent sure about number ten, and I am sixty-five percent sure about number nine, and I am eighty percent sure about number one. So, so it can be very confusing. But TensorFlow, to, to come back, coming back to your question, that in the you know TensorFlow definitely has had a lot of attention. Uh, it was a project by Google, and uh, from a deep learning standpoint. uh you know it's uh, it has a fair fair share of uh, you know traction so google started with tensorflow and then they open sourced tensorflow i think it was about last year that they open sourced tensorflow mm-hmm. uh so so tensorflow is a big one and then you have many others mxnet you mentioned mxnet we have mxnet we have uh, cafe you know cafe 2 uh, you have uh, there's an interesting one Which, which actually we see being used in pockets called Chainer, which is a actually a Japanese company. So there are a number of these models, but the, the fact is that you know to run these different options, you know, they, you can you know loosely equate them as different programming languages to achieve the same goal, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, talking about programming languages, you know, Python is sort of the de facto standard in producing deep learning. You know, it's really the the, the standard. better for deep learning as a, as as a tool to invoke tensorflow or work with mxnet you know python is 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 a default standard uh, but what what generally we recommend is that you know all there's so many tools out here that mm-hmm. you really need you really need something that sort of makes it easier for you to train your models retrain your models you know deploy your models and that's where people like aws and others come into the picture where where they you know give you a more of a package otherwise there's a lot of work in deploying a model getting the training uh, retraining you know and so on and so forth so so any any so so whether you should choose tensorflow or mxnet you know it's 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 really to be honest it boils down to what do your guys know you know what kind of engineers mm-hmm. can you find today because mm-hmm. it's a very niche uh, skill set Uh, and it also depends on what kind of framework you have which can give you an integrated environment to code uh, so as an example you know aws just launched uh, sagemaker the other day uh, uh, you know last week in their uh, reinvent vegas show and uh, they they sort of making it very easy for people to you know either use mxnet tensorflow uh, or any of the others and uh, and implement it yeah Okay. Okay. I mean, you talk about implementation there. So um, we know that the conversation around AI uh, is taking place uh, in boardrooms you know, around the world. 
How yeah. can web spiders as an organization help um, an enterprise take that first step uh, to yeah. developing a, a sort of a business strategy on a program AI stroke bots? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, web spiders as a company, what the approach we've taken is that, you know, we, we launched this product called Zoe, which acts like an AI gateway. Uh, mm -hmm. So very, very quickly we realized that, you know, you had, you have this whole, you know, bunch of tools for, for different things. So for example, for images, you have something different for voice, you have something different and there is no really central place where you can get all the tools. So even if you take chatbots, for example, you can get NLPs, you can get, uh, you can get offline NLPs in terms of you know, open source NLPs like uh, Rasa and others, but then there is no, no place where you can get an analytics an NLP connecting to your enterprise systems, you know, having a notification and uh, alert system. And you need this whole bunch of things in one place. So we created Zoe as a, as a AI framework. You know, it's been used, uh, you know, in the UK, uh, we are we're using it for some of the biggest malls. So, you know, uh, if, if you're familiar with Bullring in Birmingham, we just launched the bot for them. We are working for one of the largest uh, card issuers in the world. Uh, we, we work with one of the largest travel agencies in Singapore. Uh, you know, we have the largest seller of contact lenses in the US using Zoe, you know, and, and so on and so forth. So, so the way WebSpiders approaches the AI phenomenon is we, we develop tools that can be used internally by IT departments and innovation departments. And then we provide our consulting expertise to sort of define use cases and, you know, end to end get it implemented. And if you, and, and the end to end can be a matter of choice. So, you know, you have some customers who would want, you know, to be, you know, they would want us to hold their hands to 50% and they'll take it from there. Some, mm -hmm. some people want us to do the whole thing from soup to nuts. And then we have some people who's, who also want us to keep helping them in training the AI piece. You know, we have teams, we have a large team that also keeps training the AI models as it goes into production. So, uh, so the way we've adopted, you know, we help enterprises adopt AI is a combination of consulting and mm -hmm. ready-made uh, products. Yeah, and and then that leads to training and support after that. Okay, great. Um, look, thanks very much for that. Um, hopefully, we've given the audience uh, a slightly clearer understanding of sort of the capability and the functionality that exists within the area of AI. Um, so, uh, Sid, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Uh, well, you know, just uh, on, on a lighter note, you know, I read this, uh, I read this, uh, I was in this conference and um, there's, uh, we were all debating and talking about AI and what it means and you know, sort of similar to what we've been speaking about this afternoon, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, there was an interesting joke where he said, you know, AI is what you use to get investments, uh, you know, machine learning is what you use to recruit <laughs> and uh, SQL is what you deliver finally to your customers. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, the, the reality is of course not that, but yeah, this was an interesting mm. uh, observation because I think some of the media, you know, when they hear so much about AI, they, they might get a bit, uh, uh, you know, uh, apprehensive or cynical that you know everybody says we are AI powered. Everybody says we are 
we are, mm. we are AI based company, uh, you know, but the fact is that, you know, it really is, it really is a massive uh, change that's happening in the society. And, you know, as Andrew Ng, who's one of the uh, big names in this deep learning, machine learning world, he was a Baidu scientist and, you know, he founder of Coursera. He, he made a comment that AI is the new electricity. So very much, you know, the way you and me, we don't think about electricity when we are chatting with somebody, right? It's at the, mm -hmm. you know, it's supporting the whole conversation. Um, so I think AI is definitely uh, gradually becoming the new toolkit for developers, for IT, for, for innovation and for strategy. Um, and we, you know, as a company, we are, we are driving this growth. We are ourselves experiencing, experiencing massive inbound uh, requests and growth. Uh, from our customers. So, you know, we really look forward to see what 2018 can bring into the world of AI. Okay, great. Um, look, thank you very much, Sid. Uh, thank you to the audience for listening. Uh, this is actually the first in a series of podcasts uh, and we'll be delivering uh, more over the coming months. So please watch out for those. Um, if you have any questions or would like a further discussion around AI, um, you can email Sid directly. Uh, so it's sid at webspiders.com. Um, uh, or we can be contacted at hello at webspiders.com, uh, but please feel free to visit our website at uh, www.webspiders.com, um, and we look forward to, to speaking with you all soon. Uh, many thanks for taking the time to listen to the cast. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks, Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye.